Your news program every morning with up-to-the-minute news and extensive analysis of issues from Korea and abroad. This morning with Alex Jensen on TBS EFM. Well, we are seeing certainly something very interestingly on the world political stage. We might uh, sum it up with uh, a combination of names, Donald Duterte or Rodrigo Duterte and Donald Trump in the Philippines and the United States respectively. Surprising onlookers, should we say, um, with remarks that previously might have been seen as uh, discriminatory or even inflammatory. For example, talking about crime, about immigration, about drug control. But does this mean the politics of anger is working? Dr. Malcolm Cook is a senior fellow at Yusuf Ishak Institute in Singapore and joins us on the line. Good morning. Good morning. Can we compare these two, first of all, uh, these two leaders, or well, potential leaders in the case of Donald Trump, or is it just convenient timing? Uh, I think there are some strong similarities for why, in the case of Duterte, he's the president-in-waiting in the Philippines and won over 38% of the vote, and why Donald Trump is now the Republican nominee-in-waiting, uh, having beat off uh, 16 other people both run themselves as pure anti-establishment uh, candidates or politicians that have no existing links to the mainstream elite and no need, they present themselves as having no need to reach out to the mainstream elite. So I think at the moment, including in Europe, if you're seen to be part of the elite that's, or the establishment, as it's called, that's bad for you politically. But wouldn't Europe be a, a stronger comparison to uh, the American electorate compared with the Philippines, for example? Uh, certainly in terms of you know, where those economies are in their development stage and so forth. But, of course, the Philippines was a U.S. colony for a long time. And the language, as your report mentioned before, that Duterte has been using, this very crude often language that would shock people and the language that Donald Trump is using and the fact that it doesn't not only not hurt them but seems to strengthen their appeal among their supporters is uh, something that makes them very similar to each other. Yeah, I mean, they've actually both been downright offensive at times. In the case of Duterte, as we uh, have heard on the show previously, but... I, I'm scared to repeat it. I feel it's necessary in the context of this conversation. This is a man who made a quip about um, a travelling Australian nun's gang rape, suggesting that um, he should have been allowed to go first. How does a politician ever recover, in public life anyway, from a statement like that? Um, yeah, and Duterte is also, you know, more times than we can count, is being a self-confessed... Uh, killer. I think part of that is his man of the people uh, persona. So he will say things that the you know, much more polished and refined members of the national elite won't. So oddly, I think in the case of Donald Trump, too, the more offensive it is, the more it supports their image of being a, you know, an outsider that will go against uh, the existing norms. So I think it actually helped Duterte, especially mm. when the Australian ambassador 
called him out on it. Um, Philippines is a nationalist place, and if a, especially a Western country criticizes you, that may help you. But is this more about the politics of hateful personalities rather than the politics of hate per se? I mean, could, not many other individuals surely could get away with comments like this. Look at Donald Trump. He, he's a larger-than-life personality. Everything he says is done with some sort of curious facial expression which seems to mesmerise people <laughs> and entertain them. Um, yeah, I think it's certainly the politics of alienation, because if you look at the Philippines for the last six years, their economy has been growing very strongly, and, you know, one of the uh, stars of Southeast Asia, but uh, most Filipinos, and it was mostly the middle class that voted strongly in favor of Duterte, don't feel that their own lives are benefiting. I think the American middle class for much longer has felt that the supposed fruits of the economic uh, success that they've been told about, uh, they've been missing out on. So I think politics of alienation and deep anger towards the national elites certainly explains strongly why Trump is now, as I say, the Republican nominee in waiting, and uh, Duterte, the mayor from Dabao, a faraway city from Metro Manila, won 16 of the 17 districts in Metro Manila. But but if there is something going on as as a global phenomenon, we would expect more countries to to follow suit. We've got our own presidential election coming up at the end of next year here in South Korea. Surely, surely we can't expect more of the same. Uh, no, and I think if you look on a more positive note, the last election in Indonesia, the world's third largest democracy, brought a former furniture maker and mayor of a of a peripheral city to power against the elites as well. So I think, as I said, the people are using the ballot box around the world to express their strong dissatisfaction with the, the present status quo in their countries and particularly the national ruling, national ruling elites that have ruled them for, in some cases, decades. But, well, I mean, that's another point, maybe, that takes us even closer to the truth here, that that this is about bouncing back. It's about a, a, a response to what has come before, even in the most extreme fashion, maybe especially in the most extreme fashion. Yeah, and in, certainly in both the case of the United States and the Philippines, there's a strong kind of socioeconomic dimension where people are saying, we are not benefiting from where our economy is going at the moment. So in the case of the Philippines, the poverty rate has stayed at about 25% for the last six years, despite strong growth. In the case of the United States, the middle class's real income has been in long-term decline. Yes. So I think things like globalization, technological change, which have huge disruptive effects on e the economy, are starting to have some political uh, ramifications and ones that make many of us... Uh, uncomfortable and make politics much more unpredictable and south korean politics is often hard to predict even without these uh, larger forces at play yeah but it's, it's hard to imagine the same kinds of comments drawing in public support here although who would have forecast what's happened in the united states even just on the republican side for now dr cook thank you for joining us thank you alex Dr. Malcolm Cook, senior fellow at Yusuf Ishak Institute in Singapore. What also happens if all this goes sour, though? What happens if uh, Donald Trump was to win the presidential election and then 
proved to be a very different president to, to what those supporters had been expecting? Would we get some sort of bounce back in the other direction? And anyone listening now, can you imagine anything even close to the politics of hate actually succeeding in South Korea. We'd love to hear from you. You can text us, Powdershop1013 for 51 per message. Our email's always open to you as well, free of charge, EFM this morning at gmail.com.